0: You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraitbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, I tell you, after a music service like we've had so far, I kind of feel like I just need to go sit down and... Uh, not ruin what we have already enjoyed. But I'm not going to do that. So uh, welcome to Mile Straight. We're glad you're here. If you haven't already, if you would grab your study guide out of your bulletin, grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and uh, let's get into our study. Today we're addressing the topic, Get Up and Be. Get Up and Be. Now, Uh, It almost sounds a little awkward because when you hear somebody use those first three words, get up and, you expect the next word to be go. Get up and go. And certainly that is very much included in this verse, but what we see God directing our heart is to be. To be something very specific. To go indicates that, okay, I'm going to take this information somewhere. To be means that I am that all the time. So then it is that we are to go with what we are, but we are to be what God has called us to be on an ongoing basis. It is never to end. It is to continue. And what is it that we are to be? Notice, if you will, our text verse for today, which, by the way, is also our verse for the year. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, why would Jesus bring this information to the disciples at this time? Now, remember what's happening. And what's going on is that Jesus has already died on the cross of Calvary. He's paid the price of our sin. His lifeless corpse was placed into the tomb. And three days later, God miraculously put life back into His corpse. Okay, so Jesus comes back to life, and the disciples see Him. All of a sudden, that which the disciples had thought before was coming back around in their thoughts and in their minds. And what was that? As the people were looking forward before Jesus became a human, before He started His public ministry, as people were looking for the coming of the Messiah, they were expecting one to ride in on the white horse And lead Israel back to its former glory. They were expecting one to come in with power and raise Israel back to the place it had been as a world leader, as a world ruler. Jesus didn't come in like that. And as a result, there were a lot of people in that day and time who would have nothing to do with him. They didn't believe him. They didn't accept him. They rejected him fully. He came to his own. His own would not receive him. The disciples looked at it and they were trying to figure it out. This isn't the picture we have in our minds. This isn't the image that we have in our heads. This is not what we're expecting Messiah to be. But as they walked with Jesus through the years, they came to understand that yes, He is the Son of God. Peter made this profound statement, You are the Christ, the Son of God. But then Jesus died. I mean, he was crucified like a common criminal. There he was on the cross. He was dead. They watched him die. And all the visions of him being God, him being Messiah, slipped out of their thoughts. And the disciples walked away. But then something incredible happened. Jesus came out of the tomb. I mean, that just doesn't happen every day. The disciples got wind of it. They didn't believe it. Thomas especially, unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hand and in his side, I'm not going to believe it. You can forget it. You can say it all you want to, but I'm not going to accept it. But then they saw him. They saw him. They were in the upper room. He appeared to them. I mean, out of nowhere, Jesus walks through the wall and they see him. And all of a sudden, that which they believed before, this is the Christ. I mean, who else can do this? This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah we've been looking for, came back into their thoughts. And then they said, that means that now must be the time He's going to establish His kingdom. It's time. He's ready. He's done everything he possibly do to win people over. No one can possibly doubt that He's Christ after seeing Him dead and now back alive again. Jesus, and so they asked the question, is this the time when you're going to establish your kingdom? Jesus understood something that was really significant, not only for the disciples, but also for us. And that is that they were off track. They weren't focused on what really mattered. They were wanting to know something about times and seasons, and would this be the point that you will establish your kingdom? And Jesus said, "Guys, look up here for a minute. I, I want you not to get distracted by these things. I don't want you to be looking off to things that are out of your control, that are beyond your concern. I don't want you to worry about that. I just want you to focus for a minute." because you have still got a job to do there's still a task at hand for you to do and that is for you to be my witness you've got a responsibility my commandment to you is to go into all the world my commandment for you is to go to these four areas to go to Jerusalem to Judea Samaria and to the end of the world with the express purpose of being my witness. Now, lest we should think that the responsibility stopped with the disciples, let's be really clear, it didn't. The responsibility passed from generation to generation to generation, and here we are. We're sitting at Miles Strait Baptist Church in Saudi Daisy with the same responsibility to go into the world with the message of Jesus Christ and to be His witness. We have a responsibility. The commandment applies to every born-again child of God. We have a responsibility. And the responsibility is more than sometimes we give it credit for being, because what we're talking about here is not just being a witness. And we all know that there are a lot of different ways we can be a witness. Our lifestyle, the way people watch, the way we walk and follow Christ can be a witness. The, the things we talk about when we're, not, when we're not around other Christians, we're still being a witness. But what Jesus is expressly applying here to this particular commandment is that we are to be a verbal witness. Verbal witness. Sometimes we want to just wrap our heads around being anything but verbal in our witness. Because it's intimidating. Because it sometimes is difficult. Because it could mean that people aren't going to like us very much If we share Jesus Christ with them. And yet Jesus gives us the command. Guys, I need you to focus here. You've got a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be a verbal witness for me. Verbal witness. We also see something really important in that this is the last thing Jesus says to his disciples. Uh, I was thinking about this last evening, uh, last night. I spent a good part of the night at the emergency room. Um, most likely, I've got another blood clot in my leg. And so, with all the joy of that, I was just sitting there running my thoughts through this sermon because I really needed to be at home sleeping so I could get up early and study more. But instead, I was enjoying the benefits of an emergency room and. While I was walking through this sermon, I thought, okay, let's say, and this is a little bit morbid, but let's say that uh, this is my last night on earth, and I get one last opportunity to talk to my wife, to talk to my daughter, to talk to my son in law, and to talk to my grandson. Now, what am I going to tell them? Am I going to say, you know what? I really enjoyed my truck. I really have. That's no bull. I love my truck. Love that truck. Or am I more likely to say something that really matters? You know, I've only got one last chance to talk to you. And I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much I regret not being a better husband, a better father, a better father-in-law, a better granddad. It's not quite possible for me to be a much better granddad because I really thrive in that role. But I'm sure there's some room for improvement. And I think Jesus sitting or standing or whatever they were doing with His disciples or looking at this situation and Jesus sees that His disciples aren't focused. And he, He says, Guys, I've only got one last chance to tell you something. And you really need to hear this. What's really important is that you understand the responsibility you carry of being my witness. Boom. Wow. So this isn't some peripheral conversation. It's not... Dealing with something that's inconsequential. But this has such importance attached to it. And I want you to understand that the importance continues. The significance continues. That we as a church family, that we as individuals begin to understand. Focus. Focus. We can get so wrapped up in these silly little things in church life that do not matter. And it's ridiculous. We can get so wrapped up in my preference or your preference, and it's ridiculous. And today, Jesus is calling us let's get back to what's really important. Let's get back to being a witness. So Jesus calls us to be a verbal witness. But interestingly enough, as a church family, we do a lot of things in order to make that witness possible. You see, in our culture today, people don't really care what you know until they first of all know that you care about them. People don't really want to hear what you have to say just because you've got something to say. They want to see the significance and the value of it in your life before they're willing to buy into it or even to listen to it. And so Jesus says, I want you to be a verbal witness... but how do we get that ability to witness how do we get the opportunity to be heard for the next few minutes I want to walk through these four areas that Jesus presents in his thought in verse 8 and I want to do so in reverse order and I want to show us how as a church family we are functioning in these roles now that does not mean we're doing it perfectly, nor that we do not have room to improve. And certainly not. We're fallible. We're imperfect humans, and therefore that which we do at best is imperfect. And so there is plenty of room for improvement, there's plenty of room for advancement. Until the whole world hears the gospel, we cannot become dormant. We cannot become stale in our witness. We cannot slow down or think we're doing enough. We must continue to advance, okay? So by giving you these lists of things, I'm not trying to indicate that, hey, we've arrived. We've achieved that level that every church should strive for. Therefore, we can just take it easy for a while. Absolutely not. We've got to focus Because God's calling us to get up and be what He's called us to be. So what does this look like for us? Working again from reverse order, number one, your first fill in, is Jesus has called us to be His witness to the end of the earth. To the end of the earth. And in parentheses, you'll see a place to write this in. We're talking about the world. And Now that seems to be a no-brainer. It will make more sense as we move through the other points as to why we're indicating this. Because when we talk about the world here, we're not talking about our communities. We're not talking about our local area. In fact, we're not even talking about our nation. We're talking about places beyond our borders. And what are those places? The other countries, the other continents. We're talking about Being a verbal witness in those areas. And how do we become a verbal witness in those places that many of us will never visit and never spend time? How do we accomplish that? Well, obviously, we have means of accomplishing that. And part of that is seen in number one or letter A, if you want to jot this down, is seen through our short term mission trips. Short term mission trips. A lot of us in the auditorium, a lot of people who are watching online, who are part of our church family, just couldn't be here today, have been on a short-term mission trip. And I want you to know, if you've never been, it's life-changing. I mean, it can literally be life-changing. You can go and you can hear uh, the missionary or the pastors that we're working with there tell about ministry, tell about life, tell about how God is at work, and it just does something to you when you see that happening. And then when you get to engage and be part of ministry with them, you get to walk beside them, you get to to help them and encourage them, you get to support them through, through doing different acts, whether it be painting or building projects or passing out information or going to a street corner and talking to someone if there's no language barrier. It's so impressive on our lives when we get to actually function in that role. It's so important. And I would encourage you, if you've never been on a short-term mission trip, that you take the opportunity to go. I would start praying even now, God, would you open the way for me to go? Because it will make a difference in your life. Our Change the World offerings is another way. Uh, When we go to do special projects, part of those offerings are used to help fund that so the burden doesn't fall on the missionary as much. And, And so those are very important, very much part of how God is using us to be a verbal witness in the world. We also do that through the means of partnerships with with different mission boards and more particularly through the missionaries that are represented by those mission boards. If you look at our banner display out in the front lobby, you will see that I listed on those banners a mission board. And that is totally my failure. We represent... Uh, Through our giving and through our partnerships, a lot of different mission boards. And and when I put that in, when Jason and I were working through that list, I put that in. It was totally intended to be representative, and we were going to go back and change that, and we never did. Totally my fault. So you just understand when you see a mission agency out there that it's indicative of, of a lot of different agencies that are represented. We partner through a lot of different agencies to reach the world with Jesus Christ. But then our partnerships, our strategic partnerships with missionaries and literally missionaries around the world that are working to present Jesus Christ on our behalf. They're literally going to places to be a verbal witness for us, for our church family. We get the blessing of sending them out. Some are part of our church family and they go out. Others are part of other church families and they've come here and we've partnered with them financially and through prayer to to send them to other parts of the world so that they can be a witness for Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so, the way we reach into the other parts of the world, even when we're not there, is through the partnerships we have with our missionaries. Missionaries that are out of our church family, like Russ and Lynn Turner, who's serving God in Central and South America, Clip and Mary Suddeth. And I know when I say the parents, I also mean the kids as well, because I know that they are very much a part of the ministry. Uh, Clip and Sutta, Central and South America. The Arcees, who a lot of them are here today. Dan and Lucy and the kids are, uh, I say kids, they're all grown up now. They're not kids anymore. But serving God in Venezuela, South America. Mike and Martha Hart, serving God in Colombia, South America. Going into these very dangerous places to be a witness for us. Going to a place that we will never get to go. And quite honestly, with the way Venezuela's going, I hope I never get to go. I'm kind of afraid to go to that place. But these folks aren't. And they're going with a verbal witness for Jesus Christ for us. What a blessing. What a blessing. And so Christ has called us to be a witness to the world. To the other most parts of the earth. And we are reaching out to accomplish that. Not that we've completed it. Not that we've arrived or perfected it. But we're working in the process to even get better at what God's called us to do there. Number two, not only has He called us to be a witness to the world, but He's called us to be a witness to Samaria. Samaria, for our purposes, we're talking about the USA. The good old USA. We're talking about... Our country now. God has called us to be a witness to our own country. How foolish it is to think that we should send people to other countries when we're not working to reach our own country. And so we have a responsibility. So how do we go about that? Once again, through our partnerships with mission agencies, through our strategic partnership with missionaries. And what a blessing it is to see Jess and Ann Curley here. Two of our missionaries in the U.S., they're going literally across the country helping missionaries and mission facilities and different organizations to to serve better, to be better, to to financially be able to do more. They're going and working with them in those roles. And on top of that, they also given to us uh, this wonderful idea of of Christmas shoeboxes to be taken to the Sioux Indian children who are literally living in deep poverty, to give to them a Christmas shoebox. We're going to be doing 300 this year. Take it. And with every one of those shoeboxes comes an opportunity for a verbal witness about Jesus Christ. What a blessing. We get to be part of making Christmas for a little child who probably wouldn't have it otherwise. And along with that, because we showed compassion and we showed concern, we also get the opportunity to share Jesus Christ through the missionaries and the pastors that are there. Wow. So God just opens the door wide. (laughs) The third thing. God's called us. Jesus said, be my witness in Judea. We talk about Judea, we're talking about the the area that's surrounding Hamilton County. We're talking about a 50-mile radius of miles straight. Now this is a little more focused because we're close enough that we can actually be hands-on involved in some of these things. And what a blessing it is to see that happening. It's a blessing to know that our missionaries sent out of our church with the others that we've strategically partnered with around our area, Paul and Jennifer Dockery are also going into areas and ministering, teaching children. It used to be Horace and Patricia Turner's ministry, and now they've passed that on to Paul and Jennifer Dockery. And they are doing an excellent job, just as their predecessors did, sharing Jesus Christ, going to places that, that technically they shouldn't be able to go, and sharing Jesus Christ with literally hundreds of kids on a regular basis what a blessing on top of that we also have a strategic partnership with Blazing Hope Ranch now for me Blazing Hope Ranch is just one of those really special places because they're reaching out to these girls who have been trafficked in the sex slavery market girls that have been rescued from that lifestyle, been brought to Blazing Hope Ranch where they're given an opportunity to learn how to be a regular person, to learn how to care for themselves, to learn how to to get over the, the problems and the horrors that they've experienced in their lives. Working with Christian counselors, with medical facilities... And on top of that, as they serve them and help them overcome those evils that have been pushed upon them, they also are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have an inroad with, with people who would not hear the gospel otherwise. We have an inroad, we have a voice that's telling people about Jesus Christ among these young girls. I'm so excited about that. The average girl that's, that's taken, or boy as well, is taken into sex slavery. It's taken at the age of 12. And most of them, when they're rescued, they don't know how to care for themselves. They don't know how to groom themselves. They don't know any of that stuff. Blazing Hope Ranch is working. And we've partnered with them through the land we've provided, uh, through resources when they're available to us and it is a blessing to know that the verbal witness is going out Blazing Hope Ranch. There's one more area and I'm trying to move quickly through these and I know I'm skipping some things and I'm sorry about that but just because of time um, it doesn't allow me to to spend an exhaustive uh, research on all of the things that go on from miles straight but one more area, and that's Jerusalem. When we talk about Jerusalem, we're talking about our communities. We're talking about a 15-mile radius from Miles Strait Baptist Church. We're talking about Soddy Daisy. We're talking about Hamilton County. Now, I know that for some of you, you travel a long distance. There's folks here from Cleveland, from Dunlap, from Cagle Mountain, from Dayton, but from North Georgia... Uh, Jasper, some of you travel a great distance to get here, and I appreciate that. Your community is also included in this, by the way. I know you're beyond 15-mile radius, but because that's where you live, then this is the area of focus. This is such a primary area of focus for us. So how do we reach out into our communities? We do that through our partnership with the Saudi Daisy Food Bank, with Northside Neighborhood House, Uh, with Global Faith Mission Agency and other mission agencies through Choices Pregnancy Center, through the Union Gospel Mission with John Rector, through the Gideons. All these different folks are working on our behalf because we partnered with them through giving and through prayer to make a difference in the community. And they are our verbal witness. But guess what? We also do that through our missionaries, our missionaries that are sent out of our church along with others. Uh, Van and Anna Ferguson, Roy and Edie Seals, Josh and Rebecca Reeves, Jess and Ann Curley in this area as well. Going into different areas of school life, different, different areas of the community uh, with the college students to make an impact and to share Jesus Christ with them. And so they're being a witness for us. But now here's the thing. And, and here's where we come to a conclusion because I want this to be that place where I share with you that which has been so exciting for me over the past three weeks. And I've been telling you, I'm just trying to hold back and not share it with you until it's time. Well, now it's time. Because I believe that we do a really good job of partnering with people to be a witness for us. But maybe we're not doing so good of a job actually being hands-on and doing it ourselves. Now, now here it is. I can see Jesus saying, "Hey guys, here's where it hits the road. Really need to pay attention here. We got to get focused. Because we're telling other people, we want you to go do this. But maybe we're not so willing to do it ourselves." And we're missing an incredible blessing from God. And if we're not doing it, we're living in direct disobedience to God. Now, any way you look at that, we lose. We lose. Because we are not being what God has called us to be. Now, I know I've been hammering this hard lately. But this is what God has put on me, and I can't help but share it with you because I think that we should be and will be doing different, differently when it comes time uh, to, to see what God is going to do as a result. God's given us a responsibility to be a witness, and we've got to step up and do that. Okay, so how are we going to do that? Okay, we are going to bring in to be something that I have studied over. I went to a micro-consultation to learn about this. And uh, this particular group that was doing the consultation had researched our church, had researched our area to find out uh, what would be effective in reaching out to our community. Because what we desire... Whether we're doing it or not, I believe that we still have the desire. Hopefully some of us at least are doing it. Many of us aren't, but hopefully some are. But what our desire is, is to see people come to know Jesus Christ. There's several reasons for that. We want God to be glorified as a result of transformation. But we also we want to see people escape the awful reality of a place called hell. And so there's a big responsibility here for us to be a witness. And so after researching and studying and examining what was offered at the consultation, we are going to start the first Sunday in March, a thing called Pray and Go. Pray and Go. Now I'm just going to give you a glimpse of it today. I'm just going to give you a quick glimpse and then some possibilities of what's going to come out of this. Uh, Because what I want us to start doing is praying for it. I want us to invest four months of hardcore prayer for this outreach from our church. So that when it comes time, people's hearts are ready for it. They don't realize it. They don't know that God's been working on them, on our neighbors and our communities. But God has been preparing their hearts. The Spirit of God has already started the process of drawing people. And we're just stepping in to to, to kind of pick the fruit. I want us to be ready and engage this weapon of warfare through prayer. And so we're going to be doing this thing called Pray and Go. And I want you to hear that this is, this is actually a very simple thought process, but it's going to reap some incredible benefits. Pray and go is just simply going out two by two. We'll meet after church. We'll go over to the fellowship hall or back in the gym. We'll have lunch provided. And then we'll grab a street. Me and somebody. Somebody, whoever it is, will go with me or I'll go with them. And we'll go to a street. And our responsibility is to stop in front of each house and to pray silently for the people in that house. And then just to leave a little hanger that says, we prayed for you today. If you have any specific prayer request for which we can be praying, if you will call or text this number, we will immediately start praying over that. And then on the back of the card it says, hey, here's your invitation. We would love for you to come to Mile Straight and see what God is doing here. What we hope is that people will start engaging. You see, expressing and sharing our witness nowadays requires a relationship. And so we want to start building relationships with people in our community. We want to start building relationships with people that will give us that opportunity to then verbalize our witness. And so we're going to share through prayer for them. And we're going to expect to see people sending in prayer requests to us, and, and we're going to have a prayer group that will be meeting. We'll be praying over those different requests that will then respond to the people and say, hey, I just want you to know we were praying for you today. We were praying for you today. And then in a few weeks, they'll follow up. They'll write back say, hey, we want you to know we've been praying for you again. Has this situation changed? Is there any additional ways we can pray for you? And we're going to start building those inroads into this community to where we can establish relationships, important, lasting relationships that will ultimately bring about life and eternity change for people in our community. What we want them to know is that we don't care what you have. We're not after that. What we want is to give you something of eternal significance and value. Now, real quickly, what can we expect? Statistics show that we can expect to see a 5% opportunity return. 5%. Okay, so what does that mean? After looking at the number of people we have here in our church, we're looking at two, three-month bursts. March, April, May, August, September, and October. And in these two, three-month bursts, we're going to go out and we're going to impact our cities and our communities for Christ. It is, not, it is not unreasonable to think on the high end that we will visit between twelve and 14,000 people. Not homes, but people in those homes. On the low end, at a minimum, I expect us to see eight to 9,000 people. If we have a 5% return on the 8,000 people, we're looking at 400 people with whom we've made relationships in a six-month period. 400 people that then all of a sudden we get the opportunity to share not only that we care, but also what we know with them. Our services are going to be very intentional. They're going to be very much directed toward salvation, toward Jesus Christ. So when our guests come in, they will have an opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is if they don't know Him. We also are in the process of working on two very important systems, and that's our front door ministry, and that's our assimilation ministry, so that when somebody first comes on our property, they will be greeted, and they will be walked from parking lot into the buildings, into the auditorium, and meeting new people all the way. We're going to need people to be involved in that. We need people to just step up and say, you know what? That's something I can do. That's a way I can help. I can make people feel welcome to let them know we're glad they're here. And then the assimilation. Once they've come in and they've, they've been part of our church a couple of services, then we want to begin working to bring them on into the church, to give us the opportunity to one-on-one witness to them, to, to share uh, the way Jesus Christ changed our life with them. From there to move it beyond that to we we see them born into the family of God and we get the opportunity to begin discipling them, see them growing to be disciples disciples of Christ that are also making disciples. That's the goal of this whole thing is to see people come to know Jesus Christ and grow in his knowledge. The opportunity is there. We've sat on it before. We've been complacent before. That's got to change. Got to change. And I wish that you would begin praying even now. And I wish you would pray for three things concerning this. If you want to write this down on your sheet, I wish you would. It's really important to me. And I hope it's important to you as well. Concerning our pray and go, would you pray number one for our community? pray for our community. ask God, God, would you start working in hearts now prepare people for this time when it comes. number two, pray for yourself and our church family. God would you give me a burden for this? would you give me a desire to be part would you would you help me to step up and Father, would you allow our church family to do this as a family not sporadic pieces here and there but as a family would you allow us to do it would you burden our hearts as a church to step out together to impact our community for Jesus Christ to see people come to know Him as Savior and to see you Father glorified as a result and then number three would you pray for lasting change lasting change would you pray that people will come to know Jesus Christ and they will begin to grow in their relationship with him to be fully devoted followers of Christ who are making fully devoted followers of Christ also would you pray for those three things we can make a profound impact on our cities It just requires a willingness, a heart, a desire, and devoted prayer and devoted people. My prayer is that you're going to be one of those.